0: And shoot me wild land. wild land I think I love
1: you But I wanna know for sure I
2: wanna
1: take you into that <laughs> he cave He's that's that pretty stream. good, isn't
3: he? Yeah <laughs> Who knew he could sing? I've never done it before Who knew uh, he could yeah. prune, man? That's not just singing That is
1: Sounds wow, yeah. like the Nuggets, please. <laughs>
3: yeah, he totally gets owned by Jojin. Jojen. Jojen's like. uh... I guess we should provide a little bit of uh, context to what we're talking about for sure. listeners that might sure. not know. Uh, the cast of Game of Thrones got together uh, to record a video with Coldplay uh, for Red Nose Day, uh, which was big here in the United States uh, this past week. And Red Nose Day was really put together by an organization that provides relief to children and young people across the U.S. in some of the world's poorest communities. So uh, this was a uh, really great effort, and uh, the cast of Game of Thrones (laughs) got together, had a little bit of fun, and raised some money for charity at the same time. Hey, I'm back. Oh, yeah, and uh, Zach was actually off recording with them as well. Yes. Uh, So he has returned. Welcome back. Thank you. He was the man behind the camera. Yes. that was uh, shooting all of this and uh he has many a story.
1: Look at this. Uh, who first off, welcome to Game of Bones. We're glad that you've joined us. It's the weekend. Go have fun while listening to our podcast. If you're hiking outside and your friends are hydrated and you're not, pause the podcast, dip into a river and uh drink some dirty water. But I just wanted to <laughs> I just wanted to mention that uh uh John Bradley behind Rose Leslie uh eating the french fries grooving out to uh Kit singing uh
0: Wild Lang.
1: <laughs> One of my new favorite things. It's <sighs> true.
0: This this cast is like a fine wine. They get better with age. It's
1: certainly working out.
0: No, I mean Mark Addy showing up like Yes. In this video. <laughs> King how cool is it to see? How cool is it to see him Everyone's again?
1: Everyone's back. Amazing. It's amazing. Sometimes I put on an old flick. Sometimes I watch A Knight's Tale. Yeah! yeah! Just to get in the mood.
0: And sometimes you post about it on our Instagram. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and uh, sometimes I just watch season one. That might be the easy thing to do. That's um, probably, yeah, the easiest. But we're back. I'm really glad to be, to be here with you guys. It was... Uh, it was a hard thing missing uh the follow-up episode episode. Yeah, the episode for this week for uh, Brian Cogman's second episode for Jeremy Padeswas second episode, the second half to the the fifth episode and it was kind of a bummer to miss out, but it's good to be back. I feel like I feel comfortable in this chair. I don't know if I felt comfortable all week after all of the activities, but now I think I can officially I, I feel good.
0: You made some Everything new friends right over now. in Denver, didn't you?
1: Made some new friends, met some listeners of the show. Hello to all of you listening! Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming. It was a great time, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. I really wish I had uh, uh, like something prepared for you all to say out loud, but that's not what we do on this show. We tend to just speak. <laughs> well, free flowing
0: know, conversation. It's good to know that you had a lot of fun, and uh, I know that we had a good time with uh, having Terry back on for our mm-hmm. uh, episode in in your stead. And uh, now that you're back, I know we can kind of roll into discussion. This is, after all, our own episode, our our end of the week, sort of own recap, pre-hash sort of thing. And uh, before we get to everybody's owns, there are a few things, of course, that are pressing. Uh, First of all, Zach, we wanted to ask you... Mike and I. Oh, am I getting now, interviewed well,
1: a... on my own show? Let's hear it. Go. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What is... So, Zach.
1: <laughs> We'd like to welcome
3: Zach. Thank you. Host of Game of Bones podcast to Game of Bones. He will now be interviewed by Eric Skull. Thank I'm you for down. sitting down with us today, Please conduct Zach. this interview. I feel good about this. Uh, this, is,
0: this is and great. I'm going to read the transcript later, and it'll say ZW, colon, or wait, ZL. I know your surname. Fuck. <laughs> <It's laughs> definitely not what with a W. Is... ZL. Okay, Jesus. ZL. So, tell us, Zach. Bronze yes. whistling. Uh, yay or nay? Yay? Yay. Is that even a question? Uh, oh, this is hard. Kind of a, I haven't got I haven't had a, to speak about this yet. Loosen you up. Loosen you up.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm shaking. I'm sipping on some blue Gatorade. Um, <laughs> yeah, Gatorade doesn't go flat to all of you listening at home. Remember that. Not that I've hmm. discovered. So I've recently uh, started to like it again.
3: Can I, I, I want to ask about the experience that you had in Denver and what it was like watching the episode with a group of people and, and the band that you were there with. Yes. And, really what the atmosphere was like because i remember watching i guess it was over a year ago at this point uh, at the barclays center with a bunch of people who were fans of the show and i think there's something really unique and fun about being in a place where you're just all hanging out having a good time having a few beers and uh watching game of thrones as as a group so i'm interested to know how that was for you that's that's a good
1: question and the barclays center screening from last year if all of you remember, was a special event that HBO put on in a sports arena that Micah had the pleasure to go to in our stead. And, I mean, that was, okay, high fives, right? That was an an amazing experience. Eric and I, if you guys remember, if you were listening before we started this season, were able to visit the IMAX screening of episodes 9 and 10 from the fourth season. And so that was its own experience, and it was very special. So all of these... All of these group viewings, whether you're sitting at home with your friends, whether it's your own sort of gathering in a local place outside of a home, or whether it's a sports arena Mm -hmm. screening, or or whether it's in IMAX with other fans that have paid to buy a ticket, I feel like they're all unique. Mm -hmm. And this year I had the pleasure of seeing a screening of the first episode of this season at UTA, which is a talent agency here in Los Angeles, and, and Brian Cogman... Uh, the writer of this episode that we're speaking about this week um, had a Q and A and it was a lot of fun. And so that, uh, that in itself was its own special environment. And I say this because this past week in Denver was very special. It was something that I think as fans of the show, as people that listen to a podcast about a show that they're interested in, (laughs) this is something that everyone should, everyone should give a shot. It was a very fun experience. First off, had an excellent time visiting with Daenerys and the Targaryens. A lot of really great people in the community just around Game of Thrones. I feel like A Song of Ice and Fire was the topic of conversation literally for the entire weekend, and that is not, I, that's not—that's not much. That's of a cool. Stage. Apart yeah. from karaoke, that's really the only difference. <laughs> it's difficult for me to describe the the different kinds of people, the large age range, and everyone being united by the congruent love of a story. And of course, the I think one of the most popular questions we had written to us or that I had sent my way over the week was what was it like being in a room after the end of this last episode, like feeling like this is the episode that, you know, we we had a snippet of a live podcast at. Yeah. It was very interesting. A lot of people yelling at the projectors and the TVs like, "What?" <sighs> it wasn't the same speaking to other people other than you guys about the episode. So I'm I'm glad to be here back in a comfortable place among many faces and able to speak about this confidently with you guys. But it was good. Have I answered your question? Was I good enough to answer? It was.
0: <laughs> the, uh, I don't have any other questions prepared. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for the interview.
3: <laughs> so Zach, I know you mentioned that you had to get up on stage immediately after the episode end, ended and talk about, your thoughts on the episode overall, and I know that that's uh, you know it's not always an easy thing, but we usually <laughs> sit down and do that uh, every Sunday night. Yes. So I, I assume it's something you're you're familiar with, and uh, I just want to know you know what how did you feel about this episode overall?
1: I didn't know it was going to happen because at that point we had finished podcasting, and I thought that the mm. band was going uh, back up to play a handful more of their Game of Thrones centric rock songs, which were uh, a blast. So unprepared and unsullied, but sullied in the right of the sixth episode without my compadres, uh, it was scary. And I, I basically, especially following the final scene, just made a bunch of guttural noises into the microphone. And you know yeah. that that seemed to entertain the folks in the crowd. So uh, <laughs> if you're there, I, I apologize, but it seemed fitting. Um, and, and and some would think that those guttural noises were directed only toward the final scene, but I'd have to say that apart from the the merry, merry faux Dornishmen, uh, a lot of it was directed toward a... Uh, go,
3: go, power ring.
1: Rescue, <laughs> rescue attempt, maybe we, we call it. Everyone listening knows how much I love the show, and to even say that there was a groan associated with the scene is very foreign to me, and I'd also like to preface that all by saying it's all because we, we are used to the greatest version of this art form being provided to us, and even even in something that was a bit rough, that I think that is, it's still on a level that's higher than most programs. So it's easy to kind of slight things, but we're not in the business of doing that here because we like to celebrate things that are fun and engaging and exciting to us. But uh, apart from sort of fan service and like high fiving, yeah, I just didn't feel as heavy as things normally feel to me. What do you guys think?
0: I mean, I I, I would agree. There there was a sort of. Uh... Emptiness in whether it was the stakes being raised or not. I, I didn't feel at any point that Bron or, or Jamie were in danger, uh, despite their being outnumbered. And uh, you know, re- sort of rewatching the episode, rewatching the fight scene, uh, it 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 wasn't necessarily that there was poor choreography because it just like when I rewatched, I was like, what's this girl in the middle doing? What's this sand snake in the middle? Well, she's just whipping. Braun and Jamie with her whip once to get them to kind of be like all turned around and off balance. Then she goes to the other one and is focusing on that. And I guess that's just what she was doing. But to me, again, it was not something that I ever felt uh, tension. So some, something felt off about it in in that sense.
3: I would want to feel as if Jamie or Braun are putting themselves in a dangerous situation by getting into the water gardens and then being put in a position to have to fight against the sand snakes but i don't think that you ever get that feeling that they are in trouble mm-hmm. uh, it, and it sort of not. felt
1: like ocarina of time didn't it when you're sneaking into the side <laughs> of the palace on the very beginning it's like did they yeah you in? have
3: to wake up the guy from lon lon ranch so that he can go back did they just yeah. push a
1: few boxes out of the way and climb into the water gardens of doran <laughs> they must like have because
0: otherwise they would have had to kill like a i mean these are the water gardens you assume if royalty is there that, that it's guarded like a palace should be and and these were the first the first people they encountered were Marcella and uh Tristane. So I, I feel like there's 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 been and there there was an issue I mentioned this on on the last episode where Dorn for being, you know, the episode that's titled after Dorn, we only got maybe it got maybe a fifth of the screen time, maybe 10 minutes and that's that's stretching it. That's if you include the Bronn and, and Jamie's stuff before. Uh and and so it it's it was a shame that Dorne doesn't seem to be getting much uh screen time in the way of what we'd normally see. You know, when when Game of Thrones typically introduces a new Anything. uh destination, you're 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 treated with, you know, sweeping shots, a lot of crowded you remember sort Volantis? of market marketplaces, like even Volantis which we didn't even go into properly got that sweeping, you know, you get to meet what the people are like. And I feel like the best way to 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 introduce a place is to see the you know the common folk and not just the royalty. The royalty's been cooped up in these water gardens um probably you know in part due to Prince Doran's uh infirm but still we haven't seen any of the common people. The people in that train of people that were the caravan are like the only people in Doran from what we know like there there really hasn't been any extra Salty. attention focused on what the Dornish way of life is like. It's just we've kind of we know them through Oberyn and it's very almost strained that we're now visiting just the several people who Oberyn most mattered to.
3: Yeah. It goes back to the point earlier about you. There's clearly a reason that they sent Jamie to Dorne and not just talking about Cersei's motives, but the motives of the showrunners and you want to feel that he's in danger, but me personally, I'm not worried about him. And I agree with what you were saying, Eric. Dorne has not really been fully established as a place in Westeros. It's a place that we've heard about for many seasons. It's a place that we've always wanted to go to because of characters like Oberyn. And yet, now that we're here, it's a bit underwhelming because the only place we have seen, with the exception of some shoreline, is is the water gardens and it would be great. I know you mentioned this on the last episode, Terry mentioned it as well to get that establishing shot of Dorne to make it feel as if this is a larger city and that there's more happening here than just the King Slayer and yeah. Bronn and the sand snakes mm-hmm. fighting each other in a courtyard. <laughs> and Dorne with...
0: looks great in the opening credits, doesn't it? With the snake that comes up the, po- I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool looking there, but, uh, it just seems like a bit has been cut out, or a bit is missing. It's
3: just—it's all underwhelming. That—that's mm-hmm. the best word I would use to describe it. It's been built up to be something that it hasn't become, and so we feel as if we're not getting as much as we would like to out of these characters and out of this particular part of the world that we've longed to explore. And that—that that, there's nothing wrong in saying that. It's just very difficult. And I mentioned this on the last episode to establish something like that five seasons in, you know, to take you to a completely new place that has a family that is as powerful as the Martells, and to try and really build it up when you have so much else going on, so many other stories that you need to tell in order to get to the end game, that it, it's just not delivering on, the, on all fronts. This isn't the normal sort of conversation that we
1: have regarding the series on our program I I I don't think that it would have been no. impossible. I don't think that it would have been improbable. Look at what they did with Bravos after all of yeah. that time. Yeah. Look what they did yeah, with Valencia. Look, look at what has been done with everything. It's been masterfully done and, and that's not a word casually thrown around. The show's been masterfully, masterfully written and masterfully produced. And this is one of the great nations, one of the great kingdoms of Westeros. I loved the exteriors that we got in the first few episodes. Um, I think that the set for the water gardens is is beautiful. I remember mm. last year when it was first being sort of leaked from locals, and it was a very, very exciting topic that this was even a place that was uh, that the show was allowed to film. I mean, this is a very exciting right. thing that it has pervaded so much into the mainstream that, that this protected... Beautiful place in Spain is being presented as an option of of filming, and so with that, I'm curious. As someone who works with film, I see I see how this was captured, and I think that some complaints may be due to the fact that this is the kind of place that wasn't owned in a sense. wasn't wasn't necessarily crafted, wasn't built, wasn't created by the people making the show. They were stepping in, and they were right. they were given all of this to capture. And I think that with that comes a time constraint that pushes a lot of things through in a way that isn't normally done. And I think that I know that this show is shot on a very tight schedule and produced on a very tight schedule with, with multiple crews and a, lots of things happening at one time, which is no excuse because they've always done a wonderful job in the past with it. But yeah. I'd like I'd like to think that partially... The reason that we we get this sort of hurried feeling which i think is 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 that fair to say that this was all just kind of i don't know just hurried in, in a way you know yeah. they, we're in yeah. here i think so Damn yeah me.
3: and it goes back to not just an establishing shot but maybe establishing these characters a little bit more all we've seen yes. so far of the sand snakes is that they're willing to do alaria's bidding and really are acting in a way as a bunch of immature individuals. Well, yeah, the
0: the the dialogue was all economical. The
3: dialogue is not very strong in terms of establishing these three women. You just
0: have everything you ever, like everything you need and nothing extra um, in dialogue. There's no flair there. It's all just, you know, necessary information. feels more like exposition.
3: And as Terry mentioned, and it's the same thing that Prince Doran brought up, which was Oberyn died In a trial by combat, Mm -hmm. there's nothing to really be upset about, especially when he was the one who was cheating. He was the one using poison. It wasn't the mountain. So you can sit here and you can argue all different points, and I think that Zach is right in the sense that we never usually have these types of conversations, and it's in no way to downplay the show. It's it's just to be a bit critical of something that we may not totally agree with or we may not like as much as some of the other things that we've seen. Yeah, I mean we want to see
0: Dorn get the all star treatment. I mean, I would I would settle for uh ten minutes in uh the vineyard. You know, we hear about <laughs> we hear about Dornish wine all the time. I want to meet the fucking guy who's stomping on the grapes. <laughs> like, you know, just That's for funny. shits and giggles. Like That's that would funny. just be uh good insight into who these people are.
1: Dorn Dorne is a massive part of the series and especially after it, the deep connection we all felt with Oberyn Martell. Um, mm. I was so excited to, to to meet his daughters and to move into this line of the story. And I, I, I really enjoy the, the Bron and Jamie aspect. And I really enjoy that. They've, I don't know, they're already at the water gardens. So that happened. They're already here. They've snuck in. Um, like I said, this was filmed at the Alcazar in Seville, which, which is very, very cool. And I'd like to think that with, with a set so beautiful like this, I, did you guys not feel that the shots were much wider? Uh, moving into the water yeah. gardens, especially, especially in this episode where we're walking and we see all the beautiful fountains and the hedge mazes and all of the beautiful things that were already there that didn't necessarily have to be built.
0: Maybe that just, for me, exposed the idea that there weren't more people because there's quite large gardens. You would expect maybe other people taking in a stroll as well.
1: That actually makes sense. So you're saying that if you would have had a little bit more, more extras would have made it feel a little bit more authentic to you.
0: I think so. I think that's, and I think that's it. I think that's all it would take.
3: Um, I think
1: part of it is that it still had a lot of the modern touch because it, I think it was so I'm, I'm not sure uh, positively they did have the, the sigil of sun spear um, above one of the, one of the walkways And I'm sure that in in post-production, there was some CGI done to sort of make the entire thing uh, more warm apart from color correction. But I think that that might just in the back of our minds on a technical level, we're used to seeing such gritty detail, not only in Game of Thrones, but in other things that are produced at this level. And I think that so much of it was so good. It was exactly what they wanted. This, like, this is perfect, this looks like a water garden of Dorne, we're filming mm-hmm. in Spain, this is great, that we can open up the camera and have a wide shot and feel comfortable with this. But we're not used to seeing that. And especially with the fight scene, we're not used to seeing such wide blocking. And a lot of the, with all of the people being in the frame, there was still so much action if you were able to sort of parse it out into quadrants. But mm-hmm. we're still, in fight scenes, not used to seeing that. I think back to the scene from two swords last season with aria and the hound in the the tavern when that fight broke out do you guys yeah. remember how how visceral and dangerous that felt
0: yeah and, and i mean they're indoors it's, so it's more claustrophobic you also don't have a view of everybody all at once which is what you were just pointing out too I, it might have in fact something to do with the the camera shot that's what i'm thinking yeah which is interesting.
1: I think it's less on even the choreography. I think that it's less on the actors because I don't think that that's necessarily fair because these are these are very talented people stepping into a, a role that I'm sure they would have been absolutely exciting oh, yeah. to yeah, award-winning actors following analysis. this the fourth season and being a kin of Oberyn Martell can you imagine being thrust into a fight scene where in one case we're learning wushu which is the same art that he learned for his mountain versus uh the viper fight which is so exciting and there was a bit gratuitous uh, spear spitting there but apart from that i think that just as a whole a lot of people would have walked away feeling much different from the entire Doran storyline if, if this would have been as powerful as it could have been and that, and I'm including the the way that we think about the dialogue from the first time we saw them and I'm including mm-hmm. the way that we feel about Alaria sort of standing in a dark passageway telling them their house <laughs> words that they've known for a while and leading them on mm-hmm. if there were if there were dangerous angles if there would have been a little bit more license, Taken, as in we don't necessarily have to get all of the flower pots in this wide angle. We can just sort of get this forearm swinging the sword here or <laughs> see the sweat from Bronn's brow here or see Jamie feel a little bit uncertain because someone is whipping him from behind while also coming it, at him with two daggers raised and he has one hand.
3: Yeah. It would have been nice overall to develop them a little bit more through the episodes. I think that in particular to have Prince Doran lamenting because... The water gardens are really a place of refuge for him as he thinks through what's happened to his brother and you just to maybe have him looking out a little bit more than just that initial conversation with Alaria, and the one he had in the previous uh last week's episode with with erio hota uh, you know his guard and 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 i think that you want to get a sense for what he's going through and, and maybe even a bit about his his condition and, and what keeps him in this wheelchair. I just th- those moments of character development that we've gotten with so many others throughout the seasons I yeah. feel are a bit lacking here and the water gardens by and large are a place for children. They're a place for children both of nobility and, and that are low born to be able to really come and play in, in, in the same place and feel as if they're equal. And there's really from what I remember seeing and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. There are really no children. So to speak, outside of Marcella and Tristane. and yeah. and those two are actually, you know, teenagers. So, uh, you know, I get it there that he's looking over them, he's watching them. But uh, again, just the ease with which Jaime and and Bronn are able to infiltrate, and it's also coincidentally the same time that Alaria is planning uh, her capture of Marcella with the Sand Snakes. It's just, it all feels a little bit rushed, and I feel like they could have done. You could have done a little bit more developing this story, but I understand that they're constrained from time with other stories that may be a bit more important.
1: It feels strange because, you know, we put out the question on Twitter and it just seems that there's not much split down the middle here. People are, I feel like, in general, underwhelmed about where the Sand Snakes have gone. And my blind faith in the series is that everything will be okay. And I thought that after I was feeling certain things after the first time I met them, but at this point, I'm I'm just curious to 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 where that's going to go from here. I have a lot of hope that it becomes something that everyone can be proud of. I know that I was very excited to see these characters adapted for the screen, you know. So I'm just kind of yeah. hoping along with the rest of you that are listening that you know we I mean we haven't reached it in the books yet, and I know that that will that will be the source material, so we'll we'll be able to sort of paint whatever image that we that we'd like to paint, but.
3: I don't know yeah it just in looking through we had posed the qu- question on twitter zach mentioned uh, thoughts on the dornish fight sequence and i i agree the response by and large is pretty much the same and uh i just hope as well that it gets better and that we see more development of these characters and we get to find more screen time with them over the course of these next four episodes before the season is over. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was really excited when Alexander Siddig was cast as Prince Duran, and, we, I, you know, I mean, I know that he can act. Mm. He was amazing in 24, if you need some proof. But, uh, I, you know, just in general, not having been able to see his reaction at Jaime being captured, hopefully we see more about him ruling this area in the next couple episodes, and I'm sure we will. Um, but in general, the feedback that we got so far is pretty much i mean yeah, as you mentioned zach it's it's not divided down the middle it's it's pretty uh negative sometimes people found humor uh in 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 way you know to infuse in their commentary about it in one particular over on Twitter when we asked uh south county twenty twelve Amy T says needs more Benny Hill music
1: which someone please do that.
0: That I mean, would be fun. that's yeah, it would be hilarious. It's also kind of harsh, um, but well, there you know, were some that were far harsher than oh, yes, that's definitely. that's true. That's
3: true. Now we just have to see what happens as this story continues. We know that Braun was cut by Obara, and we know that her father was known to have used poison on his weapons and mm-hmm. the camera yeah. specifically did a close-up there Don't so I hope that, that braun is able to uh, make it through uh,
0: no I think that's clear and I think that's the moment where I felt the most stress was afterwards in the aftermath of the cut of seeing that braun had been cut mm. um, because we know based on the show's incredible gift at establishing things mm-hmm. uh, that that has has is something that they do so I am very. I'm very concerned. And one thing okay I wanted with to get guys.
3: I'm not Zach's okay with thoughts this. on, though, Terry brought up a really interesting point on the last episode when she was talking about how she didn't necessarily think that anyone from Dorne was responsible for sending that snake and necklace to Cersei, that it could in fact have been Cersei herself who did it for her own motives. Mm. And I thought that that was a really interesting theory. Oh. And I want to know how this all plays itself out. It looks like we'll get some more of Dorn in the next episode. Uh, But I, I was, I never even thought of that. So that's a really, really good theory on her part. I never thought of that either. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you guys something that Mm -hmm. I
1: haven't felt confident enough to discuss on the show so far because we haven't gotten there and it hasn't progressed past a point where I feel like we could, we could question it amongst each other. And I didn't want to plant a seed in anyone's brain Uh, especially not yours or Micah's. I felt like that wouldn't have been nice for me to do, so I've been stewing on it. But uh, I heard your discussion in the last episode, and I wanted to shout at my podcast screen, um, probably like much of you listening at home have done over the years, uh, because I wanted to join in the conversation so badly. I... I haven't considered that Cersei could have been the catalyst for her own situation there. I suppose it would make sense if she was in the mind of, Moving people along and sort of making the small council smaller as an idealistic thing, and so that kind of makes sense. But I, I can't think that she would have assumed Jamie would leave. Maybe she would use that as a reason for them to build up some kind of strife. Which I feel like in strife, the crown kind of has sort of like in Battlestar Galactica a bit more strong of a presence when there is a military thing happening. So mm. maybe the the politics of Marjorie being the new queen wouldn't make much sense because she's been the queen during so much strife herself, so Cersei would have a bit more experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So that sort of makes
0: sense.
3: Couldn't she just be using it as a reason to send Jaime to Dorne, if nothing else?
0: Well, why would she want this Jaime away from
3: her? Well, maybe not Jaime, but just somebody to go and bring Marcella back, and prior to this, she didn't have a reason to do that. Right. Right. But once this gift arrived in the mail and she unraveled it, and out popped a snake in a necklace. Well, maybe she
1: didn't assume that it would have been a small party. Maybe she would have gathered that they would send a contingency and maybe start the conflict off properly. It's hard to assume, but I've learned over the years, guys, that we cannot trust Littlefinger. And I've learned over the years that he has done so much more than we can imagine. He definitely mm-hmm. when we had the reveal uh During the Flysa episode last year i it it legitimately blew my mind after all the years of of talking and speaking and learning about John the story, and- yeah yeah that he was you know the the it cl- wasn 't
0: the Lannisters
1: and the letter at the beginning and everything and that 's that 's all led here, let alone breaking Sansa out and doing what he 's done, but everything that 's been built and i, I can 't help but but think that he 's just looking for if if this is not sent from Dorn which it's a bit heavy-handed if it is. Yeah. If it's not from Dorn, I believe Peter Baelish. And there's there's a handful of reasons that I won't go into because it's it would be a couple podcast episodes long, but if it's not Dorn and eh, it's I think it it could be Peter Baelish stirring the pot even further because we know from this past episode how deep his roots go and I told you when we were talking about this earlier in in this this season that Guys, I feel like he's got a few more things planned, like this stuff with the Boltons and Ramsey. Like This is just the first third of what I think will unravel as the season progresses. And now we see that he has basically built him up into a position to get what he's always wanted, which is the true
3: total leadership Mm -hmm. of the North. I like that theory better, actually, because you're meant to believe that Olaria would be the one who would send something like this after what happened to Oberyn. Right. Because... The Sand Snakes, at the beginning of the season, are meeting with her for the first time since their father's death, and so they would never be in a position to approach mercella or even think about going and getting this necklace, and I don't think, knowing what Prince Doran knows, that he would allow Alaria anywhere near mercella so the fact that Baelish has been able to accomplish so much, as Zach mentioned, he's really the impetus for for putting the wheels in motion for this entire series. He's
0: also had necklaces made before.
3: Yes, he has. <laughs> Not a bad point. <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me at all if he was the one behind this. Maybe Crazy. the necklace is a clue.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe there's maybe poison inside of it. You should try it. Oh. I'd like to just mention that Peter Baelish did make it to King's Landing, and also the Queen of Thorns made it to King's Landing. I know you guys discussed this in the last episode, mm-hmm. so I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. bit behind, but I just... Uh, uh, it felt good. It felt kind of uh, old school Game of Thrones, just for a moment, which was was a slight level of comfortability for me because Paelish yep. has been traveling and it's been it's been a bit strange because he's a man about the world now. But it felt it felt it felt good. Like I said, it felt very reminiscent. It felt comfortable that he was speaking to Cersei in a King's Landing set for once.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I saw in a preview for this Sunday's episode that the Queen of Thorns has a conversation with the High Sparrow.
0: Oh. So
3: I wonder how that's going to go. Probably very well, because
1: she is, <laughs> she is very much smarter than Cersei, and I think that someone as wise as the High Sparrow, who has proven himself in many different ways over these past few episodes, will be able to catch that, and we'll have an ear to listen to Lady Olenna.
0: Uh, Zach, I, I wanted to ask you how you felt. We, we did get, like, there were some really cool scenes Last week, though, as there always are, and in particular the Hall of Faces, I wanted to get your reactions onto Arya's uh, plotline and how she's basically now going to be an apprentice at becoming somebody else.
1: Can you only take the face off the wall if you're the one that counseled the person drinking the water yourself? Is it like the Hall of Prophecy? I
0: wonder. I wonder. Dude, that's a great I knew that a fellow Unsullied would have (laughs) equal interesting... It's like you don't know what's, Micah knows what's going on there. Wait,
1: Micah, you've gotten to this point in the book? This is... Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Zach and I, we don't have a clue, so...
1: The Hall of Faces, to me, felt like the same sort of gravity, not on the exact scale, but I think as for revealing this magical sense in the world, as when we went to the Kingdom of the White Walkers, or whatever we've decided to call it, and last year 's season, it just kind of came out of nowhere this didn 't obviously come out of nowhere, but I felt like the music was just as heavy, and what we were seeing was meant to make us feel something reminiscent of this mystery and as as easy it is to say we 've seen people change their faces a few times we 've seen mm. Jack and Hagar do his artistry we 've seen shadow babies we 've seen walking ice zombies so it 's easy to say that maybe this wouldn 't feel as heavy as it does to us, but at the end of the day. Arya Stark is walking into a place where thousands and thousands of faces are waiting, uh, hollowed into large pillars. That's a that's a very interesting, very cool thing in a television show and in a story.
0: Really, the idea that uh, there are people walking around in this world wearing somebody else's face. Uh, is 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 also pretty cool. Like you know, you're wondering if I think uh in our last episode, Micah suggested that uh that was the old woman featured in, and, and even if she wasn't, just the idea that people Arya has known or people other characters have known could possibly be you know from Braavos or or have taken this discipline, have been of this discipline, is kind of an exciting. It's an exciting new angle. You know, we're talking about we talk about fire and ice all the time. This seems to be something. <sighs> A little bit different.
3: That opens up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, funny, too, that uh, they did confirm that both uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are amongst the faces That's that are awesome. in the Hall of Faces. Why not? I know that came up as a question. And I think, oh, of course. I mean, if you're going to be responsible for the show, then you definitely need to get yourself in a scene like this. It would be cool to go back and find exactly where they are. But it's just such a... Uh, disturbing scene it really is because you have to imagine that almost all of these people at some point have come through the house of black and white yeah and have gone through the procedure that we've seen Arya do now on the show and are then taken down to have god knows what done to them to have their faces be placed you know on this wall uh in in on this you know in this building
0: yeah, and I mean, I'm wondering if there's significance in the fact that they, uh, the people we've seen have taken their lives willingly, Yeah, whether whether that's part of the whole thing.
1: And this all feels so different than what it, I think, I don't want to say should feel, but at the end of the day, this is an order that does this to people and that has this sort of discipline amongst themselves. And I think that it feels so non-threatening to us because we're there with Arya. Mm-hmm. And if this were a rival faction against one of our main characters we would think that these are some dastardly individuals but instead it's it's we're curious you know like it it doesn't feel necessarily wrong i mean it does but it's not as heavy as it should be when arya lies and coaxes a small girl even though she's suffering into drinking water that will kill her and that will allow her to be used by these people it's just i don't know it's just mm-hmm. the dichotomy of of where our characters are in the series that that judge what the subject material of the story means to us is very interesting and i think this episode in general i don't have to to go into grand detail but has been flexing those muscles very strongly and i think Mm. using all of these different devices in the plot to sort of in our faces say that to to give Mm. us that fact that that story is is very subjective as to how it's being told and who it's being told by and what's happening to the things and the people that are in front of us. And the way we feel about that is determinant on the way we feel about the person. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's curious.
3: Definitely. And it's another level of magic too or, or something that's unexplainable out East. Yet again, we're faced with this, right? And we're really seeing the origin of how these faceless assassins are created. And Arya is now in training to become one of these people. And I'm interested to see what her tasks are going to be now that she is able to become someone. Not nobody, but someone. It's going right? to be
1: questing. It's like, collect I... seven fur pelts and come <laughs> back to us for your next...
0: <laughs> we demand a strawberry! Yeah, yeah.
3: go, go and... <laughs> Fetch just a strawberry and then come back. <laughs> this would be a good area of where we could contrast what we were talking about earlier in Dorne with with something that we've heard about for so long in these Faceless Assassins. And it's
0: being done really subtly but with a lot of weight.
3: And yeah. exactly. They're taking the time to really develop and show the origins of how this has come to be and what it takes to train and, and, and become uh, you know, this type of individual and – you know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah, you can definitely. you can see the comparison and and how one has done it really well, and maybe the one other one not as well. I is the will point. will hold
1: out faith until the last scene of this, the last episode of this season that the Doran subplot, plot, etc., will be redeemed.
3: I hope so.
0: You know, I'm 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 really sad for as often as people were talking about the Arya stuff or the Sansa stuff, nobody's kind of hit me back about what a cock merchant is or does. I did ask about I mean I I guess I specifically told people not to in the last episode to don't tell me what it is or what it does. But I'm still that's something that I think they'll probably not Mention on the episode,
1: I, we we got an email or an own. Oh, I can't remember, and this may be in our lineup later on. So forgive me if it is. But someone said that once you've written, I can't remember the exact line, but it was like waiting on blah 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 for the cock merchant. That when you've once you've written that you your career has peaked, you're done. Like that's <laughs> the fact that you could put that. and you, it was yeah
0: you. You write and they publish or they produce an episode where somebody's dialogue has to do with that. And I've
1: been forever pleased by what we've seen with Tyrion and Jorah. I, I'm, I, again, I'm kind of disappointed. This feels a little strange that I wasn't able to discuss this completely with you guys on right. the first episode of this week. But I think it's important to mention how wonderful it felt to see Jorah Mormont get words and news of his father that was current and right in front of us. Because we know what the what sort of people, the sinew that holds together, the kinds of people that the Mormonts are. And no matter what he's done, no matter what he's been considered as by his father, at the end of the day, he is your fucking Mormont's son. And it was cool to see that exchange. And it was great to see Tyrion be the one to do it because we know that Tyrion did spend time at the Wall in the first season, that he did grow very fond of Old Bear. And so I just feel... It's been very full circle. It was a nice
3: moment between Tyrion and Jorah, specifically because Tyrion treated it with so much respect and so much tact when he was delivering the news Yes, in the way that he talked about Jorah and what he meant to the Night's Watch and just his leadership. And Tyrion, at times, can be... You know, funny, but he can also show uh, a bit of a different side to him, and I think we saw that in the exchange between those two.
0: Yeah, I mean, he just he he respects where people come from, and he respects everything that's that's it's important to respect the dead. We
1: shall never see his like again.
0: Yeah, we don't we don't get that from other characters. You know, for other it's like once you're dead, you're gone. I don't know. It's just I I feel like Tyrion's got his head and heart in the right place, and Jor knows it. And, I mean, it's a tactic, of course. I mean, Tyrion—that's how Tyrion always gets his his way out of chains and things by being charming, by being somebody that you like, in spite of yourself. But still, I mean, watching it, watching him talk about Jorah—I uh, Jor, don't think anybody else in front of Jorah could have in in quite the same way. Perhaps John, if John and Jorah were together, but right. I mean, nobody else—nobody else could have given that kind of that mind, that attention to
1: Jorah. And it was good. And I didn't think that they were going to be able to get out of the 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 slaving situation that they got oh, out of. Oh, gosh. Certainly not in the way that they did get out of it, but it was great. <laughs> and I know you guys talked about it in detail on last week's episode, or yeah, episode yeah, yeah. early in this week, so oh, I'll just be thinking about it amongst myself. I know that eventually <laughs> we're going to be moving toward owns. I would just like everyone to know that you can feel free to write in. And write to me, I will not be having a deep discussion on how wonderful the Guess Again line was. I will not be having a deep discussion on on how wonderful seeing the reminder of his grayscale was in the midst of all this peril. And how he is now going to be a fighter that is moving toward Marine or moving toward at least that area of the world. So it's all very fun. It's very exciting. And the seventh episode is approaching. And I look forward to actually being current for that one.
3: Well, Zach, uh, one of the things that uh, we did talk at length about in the last episode was the rape scene with Sansa. And we got uh, a lot of feedback from that discussion. A lot of emails, a lot of comments, a lot of tweets, a lot of posts on Facebook. And uh, certainly all people are entitled to their opinions and and their thoughts on how that episode ended. Uh, We got a couple of emails that we wanted to read here uh, that were sent in to us at contact at gameofowens.com mm. and uh, wanted to go through them and respond to them uh, because, as mentioned, there was uh, just a lot of feedback. So hopefully this this summarizes these two emails, uh, you know, the best of the responses that we got.
1: No, absolutely. It's been, uh, I think it's it's important just to say it's been a very large moment in the timeline of Game of Thrones this year, I know that last year there were very many, very shocking developments in the series between Joffrey's death, between the White Walkers coming about. The list goes on. Not to mention uh, and Not to mention o- Littlefinger's reveal with Lysa Arryn. There was so much for people to be get to get righteous about and to speak at length about online, but it hasn't happened to the level of last year or to the level of the Red Wedding, uh, et cetera, this year. And I feel like this is kind of the first moment that I've seen this sort of cross-community interaction. And it's a shame that it's about such a serious topic, but it's done what I feel like it was crafted to do, and now we have all of this feedback. So I think it's important that we dive into it.
0: Definitely. I mean, I can uh, can take the first email here uh, that we got from Leslie Dingledine a long-time listener of the show, she writes in and says, Hey guys, I just wanted to sound in on the whole Sansa violence in Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken and play the devil's advocate a bit. I really appreciate your analysis and review of the episode and totally agree with a lot of what was said, but I also want to make sure that we don't immediately victimize Sansa before the season is over. Because of how the book-to-show changes, uh, we really have no idea what what that resilient character will pull out. Yes, resilient. She has proved herself to be a true survivor, adapting to a variety of roles depending on her location and her need. While I am definitely not trying to lessen the insanity of what was done to her, or say that what happened was in any way okay, I do have to ask you all, really? You didn't see that coming? We know Ramsay's character pretty well on the show, and personally, I expected something like this to happen. What was the real shocker to me, and I think for Sansa too, was Theon being forced to watch. I know you mentioned that his presence made it seem like Theon is maybe the victim here or took the focus off of Sansa, but going off her reaction in the episode, I think she was not anticipating pleasure or romance from Ramsay at all. I think she was ready for that part, at least in some small way. What she was not ready for was a spectator and the privacy of that moment to be violated. Cinematography, that scene, was powerful. Our reactions as viewers was reflected and represented by Reek. Just as he was forced to watch, so were we, and we all felt beyond uncomfortable. Look at all the debate and backlash around this event, and that is proof of how effective this scene was.
3: Thank you for the email, Leslie. I think she makes a lot of good points. And I think, you know, when we all talked about this, it was pretty much immediately following the episode. And uh, I know we all had pretty strong feelings about the scene. And I think that, you know, hearing Leslie's feedback, uh, you know, was definitely valuable and that she adds to the conversation. We also heard from Nick Barton, who says, The rape of Sansa Stark was a tragic development. However, I have to disagree with your notion that it was unnecessary. First of all, since when have any of the horrible things that have happened to the only decent family in Westeros been necessary? Second, the one character trait that has always held Sansa back is a childlike sense of sweet naivete that I will guarantee you is gone after these events. Not only will Theon be returning to us, but I believe we will see a new Sansa after this trauma, one that no longer wants a Disney princess life and will seek excellent vengeance on the little psycho boy and his awful family. The event itself is unfortunate, but I believe in the end we will see a payoff worthy of her pushing through the crazy situation she's found herself in. I also think that when dealing with events in a fictional universe, We have to be careful judging those events based on the morals of our own. This rape, to me, is nothing compared to slitting the throats of Robert's infant bastards and the Mountain bragging about his rapes and murders as he very graphically crushes Oberyn's head. Mm. I don't condone Ramsay's actions, but let's face it, that's what would have happened. Mm. Love the show. Nick Barton.
0: Thank you, Nick. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is. This has been a week of of intense discussion, and I think perhaps most of it, or some of it, has been involving bringing our values into the world of Thrones, which we know is just way heightened and way different than than our own world. It's a dangerous. So place. there, there is an interesting point there, which, which I think, mm-hmm. uh, which Nick brings up.
3: It's a point that was echoed actually in an interview by George R. R. Martin. And uh, I'll paraphrase a bit here, but uh, he said, In a medieval society, there was no such thing as marital rape. Marital rape is a conception that just came out of the Oregon v. Rideout case. Uh, even in British common law and all that, it was thought that you cannot have rape within marriage, and that's been the law for thousands of years of history. I'm not endorsing it, mind you, but let me make it clear here. I'm glad we have evolved to the point, that we have, but I am not writing about 21st century America. Mm. I'm writing about a quasi-medieval society which had very different standards on these issues. So, you know, similar in point to what Nick was talking about.
1: Yeah, I just think in general it's been, you know, this is a very violent show. It's captured in a very, uh, like he said, quasi-medieval feudalistic age, and the events are unfolding as they unfold. And this is how this event has unfolded for Sansa Stark.
3: And the story moves on. And with all that being said, too, I I would just say that, you know, people are allowed to react the way that they want to. I, oh, there's definitely. no, you know, rape is wrong, that, that's very clear, but I don't think there's necessarily a right way or a wrong way, you know, when having this conversation. One side isn't necessarily right in how they're responding to it versus another side. You know, I think we're all in agreement on the one fact, but you know, as to whether I think the argument really centers around whether or not it should have been included in the show. And I think that there are strong arguments on both sides.
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, this, is, uh, this isn't this is curriculum for being a citizen of the earth. This is just a, an entertainment program that you can choose to watch or not watch. And people have been choosing whether to continue to watch or whether to watch at all. And we've seen
3: some of those uh, people choose not to watch the show anymore. At least they claim that for right now. Uh, that we've seen in the media over the course of the last week it'll unfold in
1: the way that it will unfold but i i promise you terry not individuals listening to our podcast enjoying the community surrounding these events happening as the weeks progress enjoying our story as it progresses along in the on slash off season diving further into the books we will continue
0: uh, we did get uh, just a, a really fuck-ton of wonderful loans. <laughs> nice word. Which, thank you.
3: Um, Zach has brought the satchel back from Denver. He was collecting them <laughs> while I did. he was out there.
1: I did. I wanted to say that even though I was engaged for that evening, it was something that I, I tried to keep my mind uh, centered toward, how how the, the Q community was doing. And I'd like to say that, guys everything everything was wonderful it was it was it was wonderful to see everyone continuing to show up now in the 6th week of this season and I think it's only going to be getting more exciting and better from here I, I, I just think looking at the amount of feedback and the amount of conversation not only directed towards us but amongst yourselves is inspiring and meeting those of you in person and having conversations and having them be so centric and excited for the story is very exciting so I'm I'm not only looking forward to diving into these zones but seeing what tomorrow night
3: brings us so with that said, mm-hmm. let the ownage begin. In five, <laughs> four, three, two, one. The dwarf lives until we find a cock merchant.
0: Kalahai says, my own belongs to Arya. Getting whipped for loving the hound. Hashtag fine line between love and hate. I knew it. But she didn't, and that's the Amy T says, own goes to Arya for not hating the hound after all. Hashtag what's the fuck salami. <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> Hashtag what the fuck salami. There you go. <laughs> Hashtag eat every fucking chicken. Hashtag name your sword. <laughs> good, good. All those tender moments, tender like chicken. Good. Johan Spore says, the house of black and white owns. Mm. A lot of faces. Yeah. <laughs> They certainly do. He's like
3: the Mask Man. Well, the, no, the house is like the Mask Man from of- Carl
0: Broadway. Says own goes to Aria for joining the most elaborate acting school in the seven. <laughs> yeah, Kingdoms. it's very
3: immersive.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Susan Henning says, Essos' most macabre beauty salon. Your stylist, Aria quotes no one Stark. Oh, jeez. Gonna get
1: my weave changed. That's all you need. A new face who needs a lift.
0: And uh, over on Facebook, we heard from Landry Barbary Nance, who says, Own goes to Aria for finally proving she is a masterful little liar.
3: Mm. She's getting there. Ashara Stoneheart tweeted in, My own goes to Aria for making me get teary-eyed. when." She gave the gift to that girl. Oh, good tears. Steve Kovari gives his own to Jack and Hagar for owning Arya by channeling his inner Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Timely, Steve. Arya's no Manny Pacquiao though, so no, best be not. careful. Songbird Rescue Cat yes. says Cersei gets her second own of the season this time for using the Tom lunatic and- fringe to imprison queen marjorie I can't believe that worked I
0: am the queen Uh,
3: over on Facebook Amy Olsman on goes to Loris's Dorn birthmark for actually turning out to be a relevant (laughs) plot point that came back to bite Loris in the inner thigh
1: yes it was relevant good I knew it was
3: definitely not definitely Judd Blevins tweeted in Own to Joffrey because he would squash the sparrows like a bug yeah. Hashtag Joffrey ain't got, got time, time for that. that And Nathan Scriber also agreed with Judd Saying own to Joffrey None of that shit would go down in King's Landing <laughs> on his watch
1: Except actual shit,
3: but none of that shit. <laughs> My turn, Elizabeth
1: Byrd says My own goes to the Queen of Thorns For putting Cersei in her place Even though it backfired on her She's one feisty grandma Yes she is
2: mm.
3: She's like a breath of fresh air in King's Landing. I can though, smell the ship from five miles away. Five miles away.
0: <laughs> I wish you I could need a few more breaths of fresh air. Oh, Brittany Holloway
1: says, Here's my first own ever. <gasps> this own goes to Cersei for putting the Tyrells in their place, especially the C- Queen of Thorns. Ooh. Yeah. Liddy Silva, my own goes to Alina Tyrell. The verbal weave snatching between her and Cersei was just fabulous. <laughs> It was. It, it
3: was very reminiscent
1: of the scene between herself and Tywin in yeah. the last season. Complete with the quill. Brittany Black. Own to Cersei. Look. Don't I look like Tywin sitting here all important and pretending not to hear you while I
3: write nothing. Hashtag ug. Ugh <laughs> Brittany obviously channeling my thoughts. Louis-Philippe
1: Pilon. My own goes to Cersei's chalice of Big Dornis Red. <laughs> Also known as her intelligence potion. (laughs) Making her say super wise stuff like, House Lannister has no rivals. To a cunning old broad named the Queen of Thorns. A lady who, just seconds before, threatened her in an extremely unveiled manner. Yes, Cersei, you have no rivals. Dot dot dot. When it comes to chugging contests. Hashtag (laughs) smart potion. Well done.
3: How do you top that? Yeah, good luck, Nick.
0: Well, I guess it's with a quote from the Queen of Thorns herself. Nick BD says, You can smell the shit from five miles away. If that isn't an own, then I don't know what is. Very good. Elizabeth Ann, my own, goes to the Queen of Thorns for her succinct description of King's Landing. Hashtag smells like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We quoted this last time, but it's worth it again. Seth Knight, no own for Tommen. I would have murdered everyone in that room (laughs) if they were taking Natalie Dormer away from me. Yes. I nice totally so. agree. Yeah. Alicia Lesperance, my own goes to Tommen for replacing Sansa Stark as the show's most useless fucking character. <laughs> <laughs> <That's a laughs> hashtag, I let my wife get arrested. Hashtag, useless king. Hashtag, no more sexy time. let my wife get arrested <laughs> <laughs> might be the best hashtag of all <laughs> 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 I'm going to search that. I'm sure we God. Go. Uh, oh, God. That's we heard good. from we heard from uh, oh, oh good Star Wars reference we heard from Two Parts Rye uh, please write in Two Parts Rye let us know what the other parts are please uh, Two Parts Rye Own to the high sparrow for not falling for the Chewbacca defense <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it Truly Blue uh, says Owens to Littlefinger for once again turning several unfavorable situations to his ultimate advantage. Not bad, Peter. Not bad. Alyssa Macaron over on Facebook says so many own worthy moments. I'm still not over that ending, but I'll give my own to Peter Baelish for being five steps ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. Much of his plan was revealed, but I still have so many questions. Hashtag hopeful warden of the north. Hashtag anyone but the bolt.
3: It's funny, I was having lunch uh, with uh, somebody yesterday, and she said the exact same thing. Like She blurted out, what is Baelish's endgame?
0: <laughs> Some bad. men just want to watch the world. That sounds War. like a good lunch.
3: It was a good lunch. Chloe Palka tweeted in, Baelish is playing the long game, and it gets more incredible every week. Oh. Hashtag I love to serve. Hashtag G-O-T and Doyle over on Facebook. Although the stuff in Dorne sucked and the rape was horrible to watch, this episode had some absolutely great burns. My own goes to Baelish for his burn to Lancel. Step carefully, Lord Baelish. You'll find that there's little room for flesh peddlers in the new King's Landing. Baelish responded, We both peddle fantasies, Brother Lancel. Mine just happened to be entertaining. <laughs> Rick Young, owned to Tyrion for, quote, Think again, hashtag... In heat. Not bad, Tyrion. Will Warren over on Facebook, my own goes to Mr. Echo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes!
3: I like I this. guess we know where he went after his encounter <laughs> with the smoke monster. This would be a good fight if you were whole.
0: Hold up your eyes and look north.
3: <laughs> Our good friend, Wendy the White Fawn, tweeted in, friend own to Tyrion for using his above average intellect and manhood to save his and Jorah's neck from Mr. Echo. No problemo. <laughs>
0: Hello, Charlie.
3: And Richie! Hey Richie, is it Rich-E or Rich-E?
0: Rich-E, tell Uh us.
3: Own to Tyrion for being big enough where it counts. (laughs) Who says size doesn't matter? His big one just kept him alive. Oh, he's,
1: what, did you, what did you guys say last episode? First, first time it didn't get him in trouble.
3: Yeah, yeah I said for Micah the first time <laughs> his cock got him out of trouble oh, as opposed
1: to into trouble. It's what great. a television show! <laughs> Crystal Smith, Murphy, Tyrion—he owned Jorah with some frank truths about Jorah's long-term plans for Danny, and owned the slavers
3: with his quick talking. He's always a—he's a thinker. You know, he's he's very smart on his feet. Educated man. Don't lie him down, though. Own to Jorah for the look he gives when Tyrion's
1: talking about Shay. I noticed that. Yeah. I thought he was going to put his arm around him. But he didn't want to give him Grayscale. Grayscale. Oh, Justin Van Sickle. My own goes to Jorah's new favorite book, Fifty Shades of Grayscale. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Research. uh, (laughs) Ron Weasley.
1: Wow. Hello, Bron. Bron Weasley. Weasley.
0: Oh, it's all coming <laughs> together. Hope
1: Bron Paul on Twitter. <laughs> this guy's awesome. Owen of the episode is the fact about Jora beating Jaime in a joust and Kotho in single combat. Hashtag badass. You don't get much better ass than that. Andy baby. Robillard. Tough week for an own, but we have the old bear, Gior Mormont. The own's yours, Lord Commander. Oh. From the it grave. Is.
0: We do like We do like our posthumous
1: owning. From the old gods and Manu at Manu Bomb. A crowd favorite. He says, "Owned to Bron for singing a song that isn't the Reigns of Castamere or the Bear and the Maiden Fair. Hashtag Dornishman's wife. Oh, yeah. And a beautiful he's song. He's quite the uh,
3: talent in the UK. We talked about that in the last episode. Oh, bon from the room.
0: Arianne Homs says, Own goes to Bronn. Even when he's defeated, he still tries to get it on with the ladies. <laughs> Wink emoticon. (laughs) And he kept grinning. Did you notice? (laughs) He was grinning the whole time.
3: Won't be grinning for long. (laughs) Oh, that hurts. They gotta heal his ass. They'll fix him. Esteban
0: Guyante says, My own of the weeks goes to Bronn, telling, quote, That explains the golden hand. After Jamie tells him he likes to improvise. Snipe. Snipe? How do you hear This
3: is my favorite own coming up. Bob
0: Capuccia says, the Ninja Turtles, <laughs> I mean Sand Snakes, got owned by a cell sword and the golf coach from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Jamie's head is ridiculous. Just tag Joshua Sosa says owns to Bron for his skilled sword and words Ario for owning Jamie and Marcella for becoming gorgeous. hashtag Bron the Bard hashtag Lioness. Samuel Johnson says, My own goes to Braun for saying what we were all thinking when the sand snake showed up. Quote, Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and Jason, no sir, says, My own for episode six goes to Doran Martell's captain of the guards, Ario Hota, for his backhanded compliment to Jamie. Quote, When you were whole, it would have been a good fight. Hashtag, I still would have kicked your ass.
3: It's great that uh, Arya is able to recognize Jamie so quickly well much like Marcella did
0: yeah he's got that great disguise on you think it would go further <laughs> you mean uh, he didn't just they didn't
1: think he was dornish i thought they they convinced him <laughs>
3: nathan larson tweeted in own goes to Braun for his lovely singing voice kind of a mix of josh groban and michael buble. buble hashtag dorn's got talent hashtag <laughs> dorn idol oh jeez <laughs> I over on Facebook Sasha Nasser says Priscilla and Tristan owned the Westeros marriage scene by being the only age-appropriate betrothed couple to actually like each other. For now. There you go. Yeah, not after he got punched in the face. Timothy Mulligan owned to Brian Cogman for adding the Dornishman's wife to the Westeros top 10 Billboard chart. Yep. <laughs> Not bad. Molly Raisley tweeted in my own goes to Sansa for holding her own in that bath scene. Hashtag feels for my girl. Hashtag the North Remembers. Yeah, she owned Miranda hard. Definitely. She's like, who are yeah, you again?
0: Hard. Who yeah, what was what's your name?
3: Johanna Camacho Goch says my own to Sansa for seeing right through Miranda's lame attempt to scare her and not showing any fear during that innocent gossip session. How long have you loved him? Tom Bauer tweeted "It own ghost to Sansa for her, quote, victory bath and taking <laughs> down Miranda. Winterfell equals, hashtag, this is my house. And on Facebook, Cody agrees. My own ghost to Sansa for the line, quote, do you think I care what he does to you? <laughs> Man. <laughs> Maybe you should have That's thought a little bit more stuff. about that.
1: Stacey Martin writes, not sure I can come up with an own after that ending. My mind and heart both broke watching poor Theon. Hashtag Bolton suck. Hashtag I need a hug. Oh. Jeff Tuttle. Did anyone really think it was possible for someone to be more hated than Joffrey? My own goes to Ramsey for accomplishing this feat and becoming the new most hated person on the show. Agreed. Lauren Essie on Twitter. Future own to whomever gives Ramsey Bolton the painful violent end he so richly deserves. Mary Ann Schwellinger writes, My own goes to whatever receptacle I wind up throwing up in after that ending. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Kimball writes, Own goes to Theon for carrying the tension in the last 20 minutes or so with his eyes and also getting to say his name.
0: <laughs> that was a beautiful <laughs> Every wedding. time Theon is allowed to say his name, it should be an own. That's true.
1: Reese Palazzo, My own has to go to Alfie Allen for absolutely killing his portrayal of Theon slash Reek this season. There was so much emotion on his face in that last scene without even having to say a word. Mm. Also, I would like to give my own to Alfie Allen for having such a brilliant portrayal of Alfie Allen in the Red Nose Day video because I've seen him be reeked for so long. (laughs) (laughs) In the embrace that he gave to Ramsey. Oh
0: oh my gosh, he drops his bag. And our final loan for this episode comes from Amber Ola, who says... My own goes to the person who ends up obliterating the Boltons. I will give no more owns until this is done. This song
3: really is all about the ending. We can wait. Wow. That's, well, let's hope fine. it's done in the next couple of episodes because I want to know and I want to hear from Amber and get her owns. I don't want her to feel like she can't send them in. So right. hopefully the Boltons meet their untimely demise in the not-too-distant future. Oh, it's Stenis. timely. Stannis. Or Brienne. Okay. Yeah. Or okay. Podrick. That's fair.
0: They should. They should just tell Brienne that uh, Roos is Stannis, and then she can kill him. <laughs>
1: no,
3: that's funny. But she's. She says she knows what he looks uh, like. If you don't mind me sharing a theory here, I actually, in this lunch session that I had yesterday, uh, somebody presented a really interesting theory that I had not thought of at all uh, as to what could happen uh, at Winterfell.
0: Uh, please share. I mean, I. I think I'm. Willing to hear it? I'm
3: on tenter hooks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh There was uh, a thought um, that perhaps Sansa or Theon could reach out to Yara hmm. and bring Yara north to help in the fight. Mm.
0: I don't know how closely letters are being watched. Hey, wait, I do. And Roose is reading every letter that goes out so or comes in, I think. so. Potentially. Potentially. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they could risk that. If they could, it would be awesome because Yara... Uh, would love to hear that her brother is is back in the game. Yeah,
3: it, last season it was left pretty certain that she felt as if her brother was gone, but I wonder if she would were to hear from somebody like Sansa or even from Theon, not Reek, that perhaps uh, she would turn her ships back in the direction of uh, Winterfell and assist Stannis.
0: I wonder.
1: That's interesting. I don't know. It's going to be, I, I just know that, it's hard for me to even discuss so much of this because I know that we're moving into the seventh episode and I know that it's only tomorrow night and I know that everyone will be aggregating in the sense so that crazy ag- I know yeah. aggregated for this past episode and uh I think it's a uh important to mention thank you so much for the owns that you've sent in and for the participation and for the conversation in the community it's been a blast and obviously we just had a, a fun time reading those off and we've been enjoying those throughout the week as all of your fellow listeners have during their browses through our social media and uh, reading each other's comments. So it's just a lot of fun. And please prepare your bodies and yourselves for what will happen because the seventh episode is coming and we will expect nothing less than the same and or greater, actually just let's just call it greater nothing fewer. participation, nothing fewer than what we've seen. Micah, I'm assuming we'll be live tweeting yet again. So it will be a glorious occasion only tomorrow night.
3: Mm-hmm. It's going to be a blast. It's so much fun uh, to live tweet and to... Get feedback right away. Those owns start to pour in uh, after the uh, credits start to roll. And uh, I'm just continuously impressed by the diversity of owns that we get and the fact that we can sit here every week and laugh and enjoy ourselves as we go through all of your thoughts uh, about the previous week's episodes. It's just so much fun to do.
0: Well, as you know, uh, as we just mentioned, Mike, will be live tweeting, but of course, right after we do that, right after the episode airs, we do like getting your owns. We will be asking for owns, and so there are many ways you can send that to us through across all of our social platforms. Number one, uh, primary way we like to do it, through Twitter, although we don't really have a preference, do we, boys? Twitter, you can find us at Game of Owns on Twitter, just tweet at us at Game of Owns with your own, and on Facebook... You can scroll upon our wall. We ask that you do that. Usually we'll put a post up asking for owns. You do it there. Uh, over at Facebook.com slash Game of Owns. And also through email. Uh, also, we, we also receive owns through emails. We also receive feedback, comments, everything else you have to say about the episode through email. Our address is contact at Game of Owns.
3: Dot com. Oh,
1: that was sexy. Oh, it's dot- like you've been doing this for a while.
0: I know. Mm-hmm.
3: And another way that uh, you can leave your feedback for the show is on iTunes, most likely where you've downloaded the show and uh we are definitely in the midst of the season as we head towards uh the end, which is crazy to think about of season 5, but you know we uh always interested in picking up new listeners and uh the best way for them to find out that we exist is through you guys. And uh you can head on over to iTunes Leave a five-star rate and review. Uh, Nothing fewer than five stars is acceptable (laughs) in the month of May or during Season 5. We did actually have a few listeners who left their reviews here over the last couple of days. Uh, The first is from Jenny Genmo, who says, My favorite Game of Thrones podcast. After listening to a few others this week, I've decided this is my favorite Game of Thrones podcast. They have podcasters that have not read the books and someone who has read the books. I guess that would be me. Uh, They are good at warning you before they get into any spoiler information, but I like hearing some of the details of the book that support or explain what's happening with characters in the show. They also came up with a great game to encourage audience participation. Mm. Every week, listeners give their own of the episode to different characters. The owns are all over Twitter and Facebook. Really fun to read and participate with other listeners. Mm, I'm cool. really glad they have brought in a female perspective. Terry was on our last episode. She's been here throughout the season, and she probably will be on future episodes as we head towards the end. That really rounds out the show nicely. So uh, thanks, Jenny. Thank for, you. Uh, for that review. Thank you. We also heard from Leatherbacks. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> Wonderfully witty discussion, uh, from books to television. This podcast is something for everyone, no matter the form your love of Game of Thrones comes in. I have chosen to remain unsullied and only listen during the airing of the TV series, which serendipitously coincides with my work in sea turtle nesting surveys, <laughs> where I have to stay up all night. Okay. Oh no. And that might be the most unique place somebody's ever listened to this show
1: we've heard some stuff over the years but that's definitely a that's definitely yeah yeah, like top five please send us a photo please (laughs) of the turtles oh
3: yeah of everything i mean the sand sakes never of everything (laughs) Uh, this podcast and the host's in-depth knowledgeable and fun discussion the series has entertained me for the last few years during some very long nights their repertoire and love of the series captures and infects where i have found myself listening to some of the chapter by chapter book discussions that's cool Well, thank you, Leatherbacks.
1: And if you want to stay unsullied, there are uh, a handful of special episodes that don't dive into the chapters. You'll have to peruse through iTunes and uh, the website to find those, but they do exist. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Awesome.
3: That's very cool. Finally, one here from Charged for a Year who says, (laughs) Own goes to this podcast. So much fun. (laughs) Thanks to everyone who leaves their reviews on iTunes. We really do appreciate it, and we hope that it is informative to uh others who are looking for game of thrones podcast
1: i think it's important just to say thank you again to everyone participating with us this has been a blast we're having a great time um the fact that you know we're able to do things like what happened last weekend with a rock band centered and and created around uh thematic elements in game of thrones is baffling and incredibly exciting to me We have been putting our minds together for the past handful of weeks and I guess you could really call it months to craft what we consider a really fun 2015 and to see it start to slowly come into fruition in front of our eyes is very, very exciting. So in the short term, enjoy tomorrow night's episode and enjoy our following episode on Monday and then look forward to our interview with Daenerys and the Targaryens.
3: It's going to be a blast. We hope that you stay with us.
0: I can't believe the title of the next episode is gif.
3: So much is packed into this episode. There's already been, you know, previews put out there obviously and photos released and that it seems then. like every major storyline from this season, with the exception of Arya's, is gonna be in this episode. So we know it's going to be one hell of an episode! Going to be
0: ahead finish. of a bumpy ride. The train is rolling on the tracks, full speed ahead.
3: Once again, thank you
1: for joining our perilous journey through the dark and deep, beautiful abyss. We leave
3: you now with a description of tomorrow night's episode. Buckle up! Jon prepares for conflict. Sansa tries to talk to Theon. Mm. Brienne waits for a sign. Jamie attempts to reconnect with family. Mm. His daughter, no, his niece. <laughs> And Stannis remains stubborn.